0: We're going, peoples. <laughs> <laughs> You've been that going was the all moment. day. That was the moment where I was like, oh, let's, let's just hit record. Mm-hmm. Yes, friends, here we are. It's the Robcast. It's episode 349. I'm here in the garage with Jeff Catch, You're back. I'm back. You were here when we first moved into this place. Mm-hmm. When you, you did, We did a, an episode on that side of the garage. You re you relocated <laughs> to the other side of the garage. <laughs> I love I love
1: what you've done with the place. <laughs> by the way, I'm surrounded by art.
0: Yeah, that that wasn't mm. here four or five months ago. I don't think any of it was made. No, I hadn't done anything. I In, see yeah, you've been we, I've been busy. I've been busy. So Jeff is well. When Jeff, when you were here last time on the Robcast, you were the something something of Rodale Institute. Since then, you have become the CEO. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> Jeff Ketch, the CEO of Rodale Institute, pioneers in organic farming since 1947. Seven. So Jeff and I uh, surfed this morning, one of my favorite spots in the world. It was... was that was, that, that was like one of the best days of surfing ever. I
1: didn't think the last time we spent the day surfing together and recording a Robcast could get
0: topped. It did we has, do? Did we, oh, yeah, right. This, this, and We, we took a quantum leap forward today. Then we went to... Where else would you go? Maybe my favorite restaurant. There's a farmer and a cook, and they're married, and she runs the restaurant and he grows the food, and it's called Farmer and the Cook. That's the name of the restaurant, and that place does it for me every time. Shout out to Steve. Shout out to Steve. And uh, they they have a drink there, the the Rudy Tooty, which is a ginger beet <laughs> apple thing. The beet and ginger, just like street fight. I mean, that is those <laughs> those two.
1: <laughs> it changed foods. your whole aura from a couple hours ago when you drank that juice. Oh, I've my noticed the halo over your head when I
0: when I go there and I get that drink. It just makes me so happy. So anyway, people, that's just to give you the context here. We're both. Uh, that's the day we're having, and a while ago when you were going to be in town because Rodale has an outpost in Ventura, outpost in, down the road here. I was like, "What's doing do another Robcast. Mm. And I had... Because what happens with your friends with Jeff, and we talk all the time, um, is he is a walking stat machine of interesting truths about the soil, about our human connection to the earth, about food, about what we put in our bodies, about sustainability, about all the things everybody's talking about. But you are just an effortless wealth of these (laughs) things. And I was like... (laughs) Can you just bring some stats that everybody needs to know? Because I'm telling you, people's when you're friends with this man, you learn so much. And it, it actually has profoundly affected how I live. Hmm. And a big part of it is my friendship with you. Um and so that's what this episode is. This is um you have I see you have your laptop, you have brought stats and you're just gonna go down through them, and uh, I don't. Uh, some of them I've heard, a number of them I haven't. We haven't really gone through this, so let's go. Yeah, and, and what do you and, got?
1: And and in no particular order. Like I, I feel like we're just gonna move around here. Yeah, right. I and this one I actually didn't even write down. This just came to me as you were talking, but something that I learned a couple of months ago that uh, you know, less than a hundred years ago. Almost the entire population, in the high 90s, uh, the large part of the population was actively involved in the process of agriculture and producing food. You think about...
0: A hundred years ago.
1: Yeah, like early 1900s. To to be alive on this earth, you were at some way participating in the process of agriculture. People had market gardens, people were involved in grazing and uh, animal husbandry and you know, the, the way in which we had to live, we were all involved in the agricultural process. Today, almost less than 1% of the U.S. population touches farming. So that means that 99% of the people rely on 1% of the population to produce our food.
0: And that's almost flipped in a little over 100 years. Right. Those percentages. Right. So a thing that was like a, an integrated part of being a human became something that other people do somewhere else. And then it, it's like a package on a shelf. Whew. Man, oh man. Yeah. I don't, I don't. What is there even to say about that? I mean, that's such a massive shift, if you think about that, in humanity. It's something that's like a certain way for thousands of years, in a hundred years... Flips like that. But I I would say this one idea is what gets
1: to the heart of why I do what I do. Mm. Because I think that the miracle of life, the great hope of our time, um, is when you watch the blinders come off somebody, when they get reconnected with the earth. When people begin to attune themselves to the agricultural process in some way. Something as simple as us patronizing the farmer
0: and the cook this afternoon. In the best sense of that word. (laughs) Patronizing? Patronizing? You know, like patronizing often has like a... A Negative connotation? Yeah. Okay. You mean it in the like... In the way in which we supported... Favorite (laughs) customers, (laughs) favorite restaurant, that good way. Mm -hmm. We voted with our dollar this afternoon. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But but seriously, it, like energetically, there was something about sitting down with you to a plate of vegetables that we knew Steve likely harvested this morning. Yeah. And then brought it in the back door of the restaurant and his yeah. team washed it and prepped it and prepared it and served it up to us. Like that meal contrasted with the way most people eat. Completely disconnected, divorced, separated from... Yeah any idea or any thought of where their food comes from and how that food was produced. Like that to me is the great energetic shift of our time is when we begin to engage with the agricultural process, it changes the way, the whole way you see the world.
0: Oh my God, well our, our I mean, shout out to our friend Julian, mm. who talks about, Julian DeVoe, who talks about f- food is consciousness and that we're consuming consciousness in the sense of what we watch, what we read, what we scroll through, what we eat, the kinds of conversations and things we talk about are all have energies to them and that food um, I would say proper level of woo here, food has like vibration that's it, and some food has a very flat, nothing it's like a chemically dead and other food is like has a positive energetic charge. Hopping, yeah, hopping. I can't believe I just said that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like energetic charge. Yeah. Yeah. So, like you said. So, this, this, this idea of reconnecting humans with the earth
1: starts with an awareness. But I believe that that awareness leads to action, the, the action of becoming more engaged in the agricultural process, even if it's voting with our dollar at the grocery store, at the farmer's market, or at a restaurant, actually
0: does something to you. On the deepest level of who you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, you have, you, uh, I've heard you talk very articulately about cost and how we don't really understand or cost properly of things, namely food, because better food costs more. So there's a general argument of like, yeah, but better food namely organic food costs more but i've heard you talk about wait 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 if you're consuming cheaper food which costs less which is loaded with chemicals what we know about the number of illnesses and diseases you're more likely to pick up what does that cost well it leads me to my first point that i jotted down so in 1960
1: what is that um it was 60 years ago we spent twice as much on food than we did on healthcare, right? So for every $2 we spent on food, we spent $1 at the doctor's office. Today, in 2023, we're spending nearly $4 on healthcare to every $1 on food. So it's something like $4.2 trillion of our GDP is spent on healthcare. And so what we've essentially done is we've externalized the price of food. Um, Whoa! Oh my God! So when you and I go to the grocery Whoa. store Yeah,
0: think about that. When you go when you and I go Those to the grocery of you store washing your dishes in Scotland or riding your bike in Arizona and you're like, wait, what? <laughs> what? We used to spend Do that do that. For again. every for every two dollars we spent
1: on food in the United States in around nineteen sixty, we spent one dollar on healthcare. And now today we're spending nearly four dollars to every one dollar on healthcare. Four dollars on healthcare to one dollar on food.
0: Yeah, see this is the yeah. So this is I've heard you talk when people talk about yeah, but certain foods are more expensive and you're like, wait, wait, wait what you, yes. you have to think about cost in a far larger web matrix of relationships you have to think about cost differently. Yeah, but so when people tell just,
1: me which I hear literally on a daily basis, well organic food is is for the elite, right? Only a few people can afford organic food. It's actually not true. And it would ask it would uh, it would lead me to ask much much broader questions around, well how are you like how are you looking at the cost of anything? Because right now we are bankrupting ourselves with a system that I would call sick care, not health care. Yeah. Right? So what if we took a little bit of what we're spending at the doctor, and there's actually an amazing study done by a, uh, medical, by a medical system in Pennsylvania, of all places, called Geisinger Health. This study has gotten national and international attention. What they essentially did is they took, I think 100 patients, don't, um, don't hold me to that exact number, but a select number of patients from this area, a very rural part of Pennsylvania, were given free organic food for I think six months. So they were given you know a month's worth of food at a time and their families were able to be- begin to consume this food and they were high risk patients. So these were patients that were identified um, by the doctors of this medical system as at risk, probably chronic obesity, chronic illness. And they began to feed them completely different food. So more nourishing, more nutrient dense food. And they found that for every dollar they spent on that food they saved $7 on insurance premiums. So it as, was that simple and that direct. Yeah, yeah. By the way, the person who did that, who who did that study at Geisinger, ended up getting hired by Google and is now leading this incredible uh, health uh, platform at Google because that this study just got so much notoriety. But it's, I mean, you would think that that's obvious, right? Uh, but why aren't people? Why aren't more people actually putting data to that? Yeah.
0: Whoo, man! Oh man! Oh man! Okay, keep going. Okay. That's... that's wow. Okay. So,
1: you know, so to kind of continue on this thread of, of disconnection, uh, I was just checking the latest statistic here. More than We're now up to more than 200 million pounds of pesticides. Pesticides are chemicals that we often use in agriculture. So more than 200 million pounds of pesticides are applied to U.S. croplands annually. So just in the United States, 200 million pounds of chemicals are
0: used to grow food. Okay, cuz this leads to that film. Yeah. That you said Regenerate Ohi. Regenerate Ohi is the short film about this valley that I that we're in here that mm-hmm. we live in and they walk you through cuz there's an orchard right there, like I'm pointing down the street from my garage. There's an orchard right there and it's footage of like that orchard being sprayed and how much gets sprayed in this valley, and because it 's a valley, the chemicals stay in the valley and then drift mm-hmm. so this whole like they spray the plants, but then the chem- but then they listed what specific pesticides are used in this valley, which which to me is like which is there like five hou- like twenty houses five blocks that way, and like the one of them is a n- neurotoxin, mm. and they walked through what. The specific pesticides that are used here and and every people listening to this are used around the world. What they actually do, the one that kills bees, which are like the pollinators that keep the whole thing going. Yeah. Um, it's like outrage. Yeah. Like we're all gonna die, kind of level of whatever. Well, you know,
1: we talked just a moment ago about externalizing the price of food. So you know, obviously we're we've made dramatic shifts in our in how we spend our money. As it relates to food and health care but then it goes further it goes further downstream that literally so yeah. think about the environmental degradation as a result of that 200 million pounds of pesticides being sprayed annually you know it ends up in the water the drinking water it ends up uh in the air it, it it evaporates and so you have all of these um you know state and federal initiatives to clean up drinking water something as simple as that how much money does that cost us you know how much money does it cost us to Actually fund that work. How much money are we spending relative to people that can't afford healthcare? What to me this is about reorienting ourselves to a new way of doing doing things, and all of a sudden organic food
0: becomes the new normal. Yeah. So the current way with spraying tons and tons of chemicals is completely insane. How do you? Because this is the world that you live in every day. do, do you? <laughs> I assume you watch people. Waking up to this and like just losing their minds with like rage, anger, all that stuff. Do you see whatever the thing, look on my face? Because I, over the past couple of years, as this is becoming more and more like, wait, what? Um, you must see this all the time. Yeah, all the time. <laughs> all the time. And, do you and just, it, it brings me so much satisfaction. I know, because you just, <laughs> I've watched you. You just smile like, yeah,
1: good. Because here's the thing, Rob, is this and you're starting to see it. this conversation, this movement that I'm a part of, this literally is for everyone. yes, this this is the great uni- food is also the great healer, the great uniter, yeah, the things that binds us, the thing that binds us all together. And yet we're more separated than ever. I wonder if this this isn't literally a blip in human history where someday we look back on this. And we say there was that 70-year blip where people actually walked away from the very like, thing that sustained them, which like is Like post-World War II, yeah.
0: because all these technologies mm-hmm. that they developed to drop bombs, mm-hmm. they then transferred over to how to kill things in fields. Right. So this is a lot of this is, all of it, basically, is post-World War II. Correct. Because you had said that you were talking to some Mennonite farmers mm-hmm. near Rodale Institute in Pennsylvania, and they weren't aware that this is a thing. They, so the, the family that uh,
1: that whose farm na- is the direct neighbor to the east of the Rodale Institute headquarters is now a fifth generation Mennonite family farm. And it's a certified organic farm. And when the Rodale family bought that the, the, the property we're on in 1971, the family literally knocked on the door of the neighbor and said, we need someone to farm this farm we just bought uh, until we can like hire staff and and, like tool the thing up. Like, do you or does anyone in your community know how to farm organically? (laughs) And the look, apparently, the look on this gentleman's face was,
0: we don't know what chemicals, we didn't know chemicals could be used in agriculture. (laughs) We don't know anything other than. (laughs) Organic farming. So even the idea of going, this to me is like the absurdity or it's like the wink or the joke in the whole thing is that anything organic is just how it's always been. That's right. It's how it's always been, and there's just this weird 60, 70-year blip when mass chemicals developed for bomb-making technologies got dumped into our foods, and people were like, yeah, that's just how it is. Like a whole world of people just that became, (laughs) yeah, I mean, like, God, your job, it's just, it's so insane. Right? Isn't my job just pointing people back to
1: the obvious? <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I'm, and, 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 and <laughs> allow me to say the work of Rodale Institute is the furthest thing from, you know, reverting back. Like, we're not talking yeah, right, about right, an right. agricultural system. We're it's not yeah. like we're going back there. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, there was actually a lot of wisdom and truth in producing food using biological methods. So why don't we do a, a bunch of science that would unlock the best of biology instead of chemistry. So it's like we're actually using modern day technologies. We use drones in, in our agriculture. You know, We use um, uh, all kinds of you know, aqu- uh, technology and equipment. There's actually a fleet of electric tractors coming to our campus in Pennsylvania. You know, so we're not at all like a bunch of Luddites in Pennsylvania trying to take people back somewhere. Yeah. What we're doing is we're saying, hey, there was actually wisdom in the biology. Let's
0: unlock the best of biology. Yeah. It's proper integration of all the, the best of the new and the best of what has been in the old mm-hmm. integrated together into a new future. That's right. Okay, next stat. Okay.
1: Well, let's bounce around here for a minute. Um here's one that I this one this one actually moved me to amazing amounts of action in my life. And and that is uh, we have a we have a guy on staff at Rodale, and his title, and I'm not kidding you, his title is Master Composter. <laughs> Shout out to Rick. Anyway, uh, Rick... Rick, Rick, the master composter. The the dude literally has a a master's degree in plant pathology from Cornell. Did you even know there was a degree in plant pathology? Uh, No. This guy's brilliant. So he runs our composting science at Rodale, and he shared with me this one stat right around the time I started working with him about six years ago. He said that 40%... Of all the waste sitting in US landfills could be composted, could be returned to the soil in the form of nutrients. To help everything 40%, grow.
0: 40%, yeah. 40%. So your average town dump. Right. 40% of that pile could be mixed up, et cetera, ground up, and go back to help everything grow. They more. call that nutrient cycling. So if you
1: if you think about it, you know. Life needs life. So the soil is alive, and we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but it needs life. It needs nutrients to to sustain it and to perpetuate more life. And what do we do? Farming is, by nature, farming is a very extractive uh, action. You're taking things out of the soil, and you need to replenish it. And farming is a lot like mining that's why conventional agriculture relies on chemicals to get fertility to kill the weeds to build the bio- to build life in the soil or attempt to um, it's reliant on synthetic inputs what we're saying in in biological agriculture and organic farming all the nutrients you need on your farm exist on your farm they just the nutrients have to be recycled back to the land and so if every household in america began to wake up so wait a minute i i produce waste as part of me- my preparing food there's going to be th- Food scraps. If we could all begin to get in a rhythm of just you know participating in this act of composting, which by the way, a lot of municipalities are starting to. Do you have one here? I have uh, a composting I bur-
0: start. I feel like this is a confession. This is the greatest. I started composting. We started composting. Like we have this. It used to be a like a tortilla thing that you put the, <laughs> like this bowl with a lid that you put tortillas in. Yeah. But we started using it in the kitchen for compost. So like eggshells. What, just all the weird avocado. Where do you, what do middle. you do with it then? The, Ohio has a thing. They do have a where thing. Where you put it in a biodegradable bag and uh-huh. put it in the yard waste bin, put it out the street, and they... Amazing. Yeah. See? But I'm... Okay. How do I say this sentence? I, <laughs> I find it thrilling. Like nothing organic goes in the trash. And this bowl, by the end of the day, the bowl is like filled... And then we put it in the thing, and then I put it in the thing, and then they what well, Monday's is trash day and they yeah. take it away. Um, I had no idea. I will literally say to Kristen, God, this compost is just like just ridiculously exciting. I literally I, we, we have I, a we have a little competition at home to see how small of a trash bag on yes. Sunday night that we yes. can take out to the side of the road. I, I uh I was joking with a friend recently. I uh, it's so interesting how these things about I don't even know how you'd say it. Living more aware or connected with the, the way the world naturally works, the best argument for, it, like you can do all the larger things, but I'm sure you've seen this a thousand times. The weird personal thrill. It weirdly feels so much better, like at like a soul level. You know what I mean? Or like those solar panels on the roof, like our house, like a house running off of the sun. Yeah. It. It. There is. I swear if every single advertisement or public service announcement was just like, uh, do you want to feel better? Yeah. You you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to think how to put that. Do you want to be happier in ways you didn't realize you could be happy? Just make some of these very straightforward changes.
1: I mean, seriously, it shifts something inside of you to know that. Yes. I mean, again, I constantly I come back to like, how can we participate in the process of food and agriculture like this is the simple to me this is the simplest way is like instead of taking your scraps your food waste things that could easily be put back into nature as recycled nutrients like that just just do that just try it for a
0: couple of weeks i'm telling you people's get that old tortilla (laughs) warmer that you (laughs) that pull that thing out put it on the counter and Put some good tunes on and watch what happens. (laughs) Okay, next. Uh, What was it? The master composter? Yeah, yeah, master composter. Uh, Can you imagine if there's a kid, like a 17-year-old in high school, like, what do you want to do with your life? Oh, maybe a master composter. You're going to compose, like music? No, no, Mm -hmm. composter. (laughs) Yeah, but I dream of a day where every municipality in America should have a master composter. Absolutely. And this is what's really interesting about shifts in consciousness. Because when people have like despair, where's the world going? Where's the world? You realize something like this and human beings are capable of massive shifts in behavior. We know this for sure. Like hundred, billions of people started wearing masks overnight. Mm-hmm. Learned a phrase called social distancing. Like we, we know that human beings can adapt their behaviors if they want to instantly. Um, people didn't used to have seatbelts and then all of a sudden people had seatbelts then if you get in a car now and you don't put on a seatbelt, you feel strange. So something that no one did, suddenly if you don't do it, feels completely strange, and it's illegal. Yeah. So human beings are capable of massive adaptations in like literally a blink of an eye in terms of long history. Yeah. So you just think about something like composting, which, and by the way, people, we are dragging this composting out because it's so much fun to talk about. But you think about something just like that. If 40% of the town dump wasn't there, like how massive... Like, something like that, where if every, th- that we actually have done these sorts of things in the past. Oh, yeah. By the way, this comes out of indigenous
1: wisdom. I mean, composting. Yeah. I mean, th- these, this is the way that indigenous communities farm for tens of thousands of years. Yeah. And, we, again, we're in this, like, 70 to 100-year blip of, of insanity.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, none fact of that is- we, the fact that we're laughing so hard at something so seemingly obvious. Right. Right. The absurdity of it is actually where you find the hope yeah. because you realize this is something we are absolutely, completely capable of. I'm um, actually, quick quick story about the
1: idea of composting. So right as the Ukraine war broke out, it was what, the spring of last year, it was right around the time that farmers in the mid-Atlantic part of the United States were taking to the field to begin producing grain crops. And so conventional farmers that, use, that rely on chemicals for, for fertility... Um, nitrogen, like the price of nitrogen fertilizer, around the April of, of last, because of the the war in Ukraine, actually made nitrogen fertilizer prices skyrocket. Right. To, to because they needed it. Uh, because they couldn't get the um, petroleum out of Europe, or basically, farmers were not farmers in Europe were not able to get access to the uh, fertilizers that were come that I guess they were relying on that part of the world to yeah. actually, you know, for the processing or the making of yeah. those, of those inputs. So we weren't able to get, literally get product delivered yeah. to the United States. And as a result of that, the supply chain just went haywire and all of a sudden prices of, uh, synthetic fertilizer went through the roof. And so farmers, conventional farmers were saying, wait a minute, I, if I buy that, it's going to throw my whole annual budget off. Like I can't, I literally can't afford, in many cases, farmers couldn't afford to buy that synthetic f- and nitrogen So there was, I I think it was a New York Times piece done about an expose of farmers, conventional farmers, stealing manure off of organic dairy farmers' farms uh, in sort of the (laughs) tri-state area. They were literally like going in at night and shoveling cow manure and using that as 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 fertilizer. Like there was actually
0: like evidence of this happening all up and down the the Mid Atlantic at that point last year. Supply chain issues forced people to return to ancient methods. That's exactly right. The world is so. The Chris- Kristen, sometimes when Kristen and I come across super weird, she'll just be like, nothing's real. It's so real, it's not even real. This is just a video. This is a simulation. This is a video game. It's like a running, you know what I mean? Like, you can't even make this up. Oh my God. Stealing. Okay. Okay, next. <sighs> Why don't we talk about. Yeah, the, the hope in all of
1: this. Let's talk about a couple of of, of things that really... What were we talking about? But anyway, <laughs> keep going. I feel like the statistics I shared with are quite alarming and... Oh, Good. What? Uh, well, let's talk about something just that blows my mind every time I say it. We think of dirt. We think of soil. We think of dirt, right? You know, people, I think it's... Human nature is to see, what, see what's in front of us, what's, you know, what's present but we, we don't often think about what's going on under us, mm-hmm. and um, I'm fascinated by, by the idea of soil and the aliveness of soil, and how soil is sort of the web of life that supports all life on Earth. Um, and what we know about the soil is that we know very little. Hmm. So our, the science you know scientists are really recognizing that there's. We probably know about five percent of what there is actually is to know about the biologic, the biology that is soil.
0: How many scientists work at Rodale Institute? Uh,
1: we have f- of sixteen full-time PhDs, and then they have a series of, techs and postdocs that work under them. So probably
0: thirty scientists. And so when they talk about the soil, mm-hmm. they all say we know about five percent, of what we think there is to even know. But it's interesting. They also, by the way. Uh, a number of people have said that we have explored about 5% of the oceans. Oh, really? Yeah. That everything we know about uh, marine mammals, mm-hmm. like every sort of octopus, squid, shark, all the questions we have about whales and how they get... That everything that we have just explored and photographed and observed is happened in about a 5% of the ocean. So, like when there was that tsunami in 2004, you can go on YouTube and god this is a tangent but there are no tangents you can go on youtube and see strange sea creatures that were discovered because of the tsunami in 2004 in the far east um and it's all weird stuff and nets that you've never seen, like from like cartoonish. Some of wow. these things with weird eyes and stuff. Wow! So like the ocean itself. Yeah. So it's interesting. I've never heard this that the soil is yeah. So the land is the same as the ocean in a sense. We only know a little, a little bit. And so,
1: in spite of that, we, we here's something we definitively know is that on average, if you take a teaspoon of of soil of healthy soil, um, that scientists are finding about ten billion microorganisms that live in one teaspoon of, of healthy soil. 10 billion, more than there are people on the planet, right? And then to further that, if you were to increase soil organic matter, so soil organic matter is like the aliveness of soil. If you basically were to take soil and, and add to its life, um, that's a measurement we use. That's in agri- a measurement, right? Correct. I've heard that S-O-M before. is the abbreviation, soil organic matter. So when you increase soil organic matter on a farm by 1%, uh, we can actually begin to sequester up to 20,000 gallons of water per acre just by taking the health of the soil up 1% better. It holds the soil more water. In. yeah the the whole structure of the soil changes the more healthy you make the soil. so much so that when we so this year you had a pretty wet winter here in yeah. California. As farmers begin to improve the health of the soil on their farms, they're going to be able to sequester it. So when it rains, the, soil, the farm holds that water. And so as we go into a drought, suppose we go into a drought year next year, well, there's the water holding capacity is going to be that much greater that the crops and the biodiversity in, this, in the coming years are going to experience
0: uh, the fruits of that 1% increase. So, that, so a, a 1% is a minuscule, Correct. a tiny improvement drastically improves the weather change, resi- the resilience, the climate resilience, essentially.
1: That, that's exactly right. So it actually just makes for more resilient farms. So as we improve the health of the soil, as we take these 10 million microorganisms and we feed them, we, we, we nourish them, we uh, exercise them, and we, we begin to treat the farm like a living, breathing organism, just one little bit of change could actually make a, the entire ecosystem better. And the entire ecosystem now has an imprint on the entire community because if we're improving the biology on a farm, the whole community is going to reap the benefit of
0: that. So this is what's interesting I've noticed about your work is it starts with farm, but then it it starts with the soil and farm and food. And your your work it immediately goes to what we put in our bodies and gets very personal and intimate. And the and whether we're putting tons more chemicals or whether we're putting whole foods that make us healthier, but, I, but I've also noticed with your work, it immediately goes there, but it immediately goes to large-scale questions of environmental care and climate change and warming and all the things that people are like, yeah. giant danger terrors right now. In the so earth.
1: this is the great hope of our time, and I, it goes back to the late Robert Rodale's word, regeneration. Regenerative agriculture was a, a word coined by Robert Rodale because he, he he didn't believe the word sustainable was accurate or adequate. When, when we begin to focus our efforts and energies on building more resilient biological systems on farms when we when we make better farms when we begin to build rebuild regenerate the life of the soil it everything sort of emanates out from that you could say soil farm community state nation world human every everybody hmm. everything in the system gets gets healed it's regenerated. When we regenerate the soil, we're regenerating ourselves. The people consuming that food, we get healthier. Uh, The community becomes more resilient because we have thriving farms. All of a sudden we have a local food economy and um, Steve at Farmer and the Cook has other restaurants popping up around him and markets and we begin to build resilient regional food supplies and we're not reliant on synthetic nitrogen coming out of Europe or Russia. Do you see what I'm saying? Everything (laughs) in the system gets better. Everything's
0: related to everything else. How you do anything is how you do everything. Wow! Oh man. Okay, man.
1: Where do you want to go next? Let's talk about this one. Um, well, this really gets to the heart of the the first uh, the first part of our conversation around the amount of pesticides we apply mm-hmm. to farms. So, so we have a we have a we have a lot of studies at Rodale and at all of our campuses. We, we have ongoing science. And How many campuses? Ten. 10, nine here in the United States and one in Europe. And the idea is to set up long-term science that begins to answer questions and unlock new truths around how we could farm better in each region. So obviously, your challenges and opportunities here in Central California are far different than a farmer in Iowa mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. the Southeast. And so therefore, we have regional-specific science. But we have this one uh, piece of science back in at our main campus in Pennsylvania that's actually the longest-running comparison of organic and conventional farming in the world. It's a 43-year study. So it's been going for 40, four and a half decades. And it's looking at grain crops, so corn, corn and soybeans predominantly, which is the predominant agricultural system in America. That's mostly what we grow is like commodity grain crops on most of our, our land, which is a whole other problem. But this particular study was to go at that system and say, hey, if, if that is the way we're going to farm in America. Rodale wants to show you that we can actually do it better using organic methods. And so for 43 years, we've been running the farming systems trial and data from this study shows that organic agricultural systems match or outperform conventional production in terms of yields, like how much stuff we can produce, while also providing higher, um, you know, higher crop yields, sequestering more carbon, infiltrating more water into the soil, using less energy than conventional systems, and during periods of extreme drought and and and, uh, and extreme rain events, that's when it really gets good. That's where we actually show that organic methods outperform conventional by up to forty percent. So basically, what this system is showing that you know people criticize organic all the time by saying you know organic agriculture can't feed the world. There's no way that we can produce enough food for the world unless we use chemical methods. But this system is saying no, you can't make that judgment on a short-term, based on a short-term observation in, in farming or in nature. You have to play it out over. Biology takes time.
0: Yeah, yeah. But when you do,
1: guess what? These two systems, year over year over year, is, is, we're actually about equal. But the, all of a sudden, when there's an extreme weather event, whether it's drought or extreme rain, we can outyield conventional
0: by up to 40%. Okay, go back to the commodity, soy and corn. Mm-hmm. What's, why is that a problem? What's the what's the glitch in that? Well that is extraction at, at at sort of at at its zenith. You know how much can you get out of the soil per whatever acre
1: square, whatever. Yeah. When's the last time you sat down to a bowl of soybeans <laughs> for dinner? <laughs> Corn. Did you have a bowl of corn for dinner lately? But no. But in, but in all seriousness, that that system that we've created is really most of the food, quote unquote, food that we that we are producing on U.S. farmland isn't even going into agriculture. It's going to animal feed, and industrial applications, or ethanol for for driving cars, which is ludicrous. And so it's a it's a highly extractive system that doesn't return anything to. To nature, we, what we essentially done is we've taken all the animals that once grazed U.S. farmland and we've put them all into what are called confi- confinement operations, KFOS. So animals we've taken off the land and we put them into buildings, and then we've taken all that land and we start planting corn and soybeans, and then we,
0: you know, extract year after year after year for after maximum year. yield, yep. which doesn't put anything back into the soil. And then even then, it's not actually for people food. It's often for the fuels that can be produced from it to create more carbon emissions or to feed animals that are in a,
1: in a building, in a building creating methane, which is being emitted into the atmosphere, which is, uh, you know, leading to the climate crisis. When, when what we could do is we could create integrated systems. This is what Rodale is espousing is that we take all the, we actually believe that if you were to take uh, the Midwest of the United States, and begin to return those animals take them out of the buildings and put them on a third of the midwest just return them and begin to graze those animals and the other two-thirds are in a complex crop rotation where it's not just corn and soybeans but it might be other small grains cover crops you now begin to mimic nature um, yeah long before humans were here in the central plains that's what the bison like virtuous it, loops it was in, in which everything loop. is yeah yeah and um, and that's what we believe our future can look like is we're not at, at Rodale Institute. We do not, you know, vil, we, we, don't, we don't demonize animal agriculture. I, you know, it's up to you if you want to consume animals. That's your decision. But we believe that animals belong in, in healthy
0: agricultural processes because it's a cycle of life. There's a, a cycle that we've divorced ourselves from. And something about this modern machine split everything up into these separate parts, put different things in buildings extracts things and it nothing's talking to anything else that's right at those sorts of scales disconnected which is fascinating to me because that's how lots of modern people feel i know like if you talk about your their interiors right it's just a reflect it's just the the macro is the micro exactly so
1: what the way in which we've taken the very system that every human being relies on which is agriculture and we've separated it. We've disintegrated it. Yeah. And I believe that in, in the moment we're finding ourselves in, every human is experiencing
0: the torment of that. Hate their job, disconnected from body. Yeah, unable. Exactly. Yeah. Right, right. Exactly. Got it. Oh God. Everything is about everything else. Man. Oh
1: man. Oh man. But well, interestingly though, well, <laughs> you and I have a friend named Kate. And And, yes. uh, and her, her message to me a couple weeks ago was that, um, the thing we all lived through a couple of years ago, this thing called COVID was actually like a really good thing in the end. Like somehow in, in the sense that, you know, it had a lot of bad, a lot of bad things yeah. happened to a lot of yeah, people, yeah. but in the sense that it was the thing, the moment that began to reconnect people with themselves and with the earth. Mm-hmm. And we're going to see this, we're going to begin to move into a new, sort of a new era of, uh, of people reconnecting to themselves and to the earth. But what's interesting is that, During that spring of 2020, 22 million new gardens were planted in the United States. Uh, People buying food directly from farmers in their community, the sales of direct, like, like local markets. CSAs and stuff. CSAs, farmers markets, increased almost 450% year over year.
0: Really? And I
1: think, and I feel like that, there was a, a paradigm shift. Yeah. 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 You know, and it it, it was there was there was a new inflection point that seemed to happen that people's intuition was this very terrible thing is happening to us in the the form of a pandemic. But like my intuition, my my reflex is get outside, Mm -hmm. plant a garden, feed myself better, Mm -hmm. feed my family Mm -hmm. better. There's some sort of almost like innate biological um,
0: reflex that people were experiencing. That's fascinating because of the the sessions that I do and the two days, and the two days I'll do in uh, guaranteed when I in Rodale in in July when I do those two days, the number of people who, when they talk about what they're doing now, the number of people who draw on that the intensity of that experience we went through and how it disrupted. It was brutal, and it in that connected them with their deeper self that's in it. some way that's it i mean i just have seen that over and over and over that disruption shook so many of us so deeply who are you what do you want to do what matters is this machine that you're serving a part of really <laughs> like how many people saw things they hadn't seen before like saw, like yeah. seen, yeah. like ancient scene, clarity. Yeah, yeah. And out of that, yeah. you can't help but yeah. start to just change. Yeah, I mean, I even see it on a, at a macro level in
1: my work. You know, since sort of that same, this, this, yeah. this this moment in history that we that we're talking about right now, uh, the outpouring of people that I that I have experienced that are saying, "How can I get involved? How I, yeah. how, how can I pivot my career to begin angling more in the direction of the, the thing you're doing?" Uh, how do I reorient my life that such that I can spend more time outside <laughs> you know I, I like I can't do the office and the desk and the cubicle and the yeah. fluorescent lighting anymore like I think it's fascinating something something happened
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah.
1: for sure for sure okay what else you got um, well, this is something that's really really personal to me and to, and something I'm really proud to say Rodale is accomplishing, you know, last year, just in 2022, the, the group at we have a group inside of Rodale called the organic consultants. It was a group of te- a team, OC. Of, the OC, we actually call them the OC. That's the, <laughs> that's the internal name, but this, this is a team of 15 people in their 20s and 30s. I don't think there's a person over the age of 40 in the OC. Not mm-hmm. that that matters, but I just find it fascinating. Predominantly women, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, that have gotten very educated in organic agriculture. They've yep. s- most of them worked on organic farms. Some of them worked on conventional farms. Some, um, some, most of them are first generation in agricultural careers. Uh, the most amazing people I know. Uh, this group, the OC actively worked to transition over 35,000 acres of U.S. farmland to organic last year. 35,000? 35,000. 35,000 acres. Whoa. 15 people made that happen.
0: The oh, whoa. Wow. That I'm trying to get my mind around By that. the way,
1: this is the most fledgling part of the work of Rodale Institute is this, the OC was, was formed four years ago. So this is a 75-year-old organization that has this startup inside of it called the organic consultancy. And, I, and I've mentioned to this this to you before, but this is uh, this this whole concept inside of Rodale was birthed out of a relationship with our state government where the, in the state of Pennsylvania, where our main campus is located, uh, the Pennsylvania Department of Agriculture wanted to work with us to help transition farms. We're the third biggest ag state in America, and there's a, a lot of conventional, particularly conventional dairy farms, are struggling. And so we see organic and transition to organic as a major opportunity. Uh, there was almost $2 billion of organic food produced in Pennsylvania between 2019 and 2021. So it's a massive emerging market. And our state government was saying, hey, Rodale, you guys are the, you, yeah.
0: you, you, you are the. You're the OG OCs. You're the OG- <laughs> I'm quite proud of myself for that one. Thank you, peoples. <laughs> yeah. You guys have been doing this for seventy-five mm-hmm.
1: years. Maybe you know a thing or two, and maybe yeah. you could help our farmers in the state. Yeah. And so we we were like, all right, this is this, are, this is a bit of this is something we've wanted to do for a long time was to create a mechanism to take the science off our main, you know, off of our yeah. farm onto other people's farms mm-hmm. via a consultancy. And so we hired one dude named Sam, and Sam, this guy. Anyway, he was the founding member of the OC, and we put out a press release that, hey, Rodale's going to give free consulting to any farm in the state that had a desire to transition even a portion of their operation to organic. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, his phone just started ringing and ringing and ringing and ringing. Um, There's 156 farms just in Pennsylvania that are actively in transition, and now Sam leads a team of 14 people, and those people are spread pretty evenly all across the country. And I'm telling you, Rob, and so... There's not a day or a week that goes by where the OC isn't getting asked by some of the biggest food companies in the world to help them grow their organic and regenerative organic supply chain. So we're like actively, this little team of 15 people is working with the biggest producers of food in the
0: world to bump their farmers in their supply chain towards the Rodale Way. (laughs) (laughs) I love, and by the way, Robcast peoples, if you're friends with Jeff, one of the things you pick up, I love your like, how to even say this it's not mercenary but you're like laser politically i just love how this giant thing that people are bombarded with about polarized left and right america and the world like you're like ah stop you don't even i i watch you you don't have like one second to waste on that you're like land food do some people eat and some people don't yeah. what do people on this side n- need a better connection with the soil and other people don't like you you just like couldn't care less about so much of the stuff that for so many people is the stuff because you're like hold on a second that's because everybody eats everybody needs to eat better our whole world needs to be more integrated you and and how you will work with anybody who's interested in that this work transcends any <laughs> divide it transcends yes. it.
1: Yes. I see it. It ever- just
0: comes in, and it's like, stop it, all you. Well, Come it's it. And I'm Come not. On, I'm not going. There are
1: some very <laughs> politically charged people that that are a part of the movement. I mean, there yeah. are ma- there are massive business owners that um that are partners of Rodale. That I mean, we have a partnership yeah, all over the place. With, we have a partnership with Cargill, which is the largest commodity producer in the world. It's actually the largest privately held company in the world. That is this. This is a hundred and thirty-two billion dollar a year company that called Rothdale Institute and said could you help us transition 50,000 acres of land over the next 5 years and we said yeah we'll help you yeah of course of course
0: yeah uh, that's just really something that's so that's something
1: my work does transcend political polarization i don't i don't give it much thought i really don't yeah 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 i've noticed that about you, mm. you yeah that's yeah, I mean, who do you think produces our food? I mean, that's that's the funny yeah, thing. Is like I right. was in um, I was in Boulder, Colorado earlier this week, and was standing in a room full of two hundred people, in the zip code eight hundred three hundred two, and it's my understanding, according to a, a a study from the Organic Trade Association, I believe that um, that particular zip code at one it may, it may not be anymore, but a couple of years ago it was the top zip code for organic food consumption in the U.S. And I was in this zip code this week, giving a talk about Rodale and my work. And I said to the room, like you do you do understand that this is literally one of the top consumptive zip codes in the nation for organic, but yet the very farmers producing that food, they don't live in the zip code. And the look on these people's faces, they were like, wait a minute, what what? Well, where do our farmers live? <laughs> you know, that we don't know. People, but by and large, people don't realize that we rely on rural America. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah. for to feed us. Yeah. And people yeah. that think very differently than us to feed us. People yeah. that vote very differently than us to feed us. Yeah. And we, we need them. We need our brothers and sisters yeah. in rural America. And we need them to thrive. I mean, farming is the hardest job in the world. Literally, you couldn't pick a harder, more thankless, uh, less profitable, in many cases, uh, career path than agriculture and yet all of us want to eat more who doesn't want to eat more nourishing more nutrient dense more wholesome delicious food yeah yeah there's yeah th- yeah that Whew. and so isn't it like to to me this presents a great a beautiful moment for for us as a society to um to step...
0: gratitude yeah appreciation um belonging like the ones that go right for the heart yeah uh
1: Forgiveness, connection. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, that's the spirit of regeneration. That is the spirit of the very movement that I that I that I steward through my work at Rodale. Is this idea that everything is connected to everything else? That we, when we begin to um, reconnect with the earth, we have to reconnect with each other. You know, it's the great
0: healer. Right. Man. Oh man. Oh man. I love it when you come to the garage. (laughs) But that morning, the waves at Mondo's. (laughs) I know. I know. I could... Beet and ginger. (laughs) Apple battling it out in a glass. Um, That's just... That's so beautiful. I assume people contact Rodale all the time to to get involved or to... Well, we'd love to hear from more of you. How do... I mean, we...
1: We, you know, we can't do this alone or in isolation. Yeah. We're an independent nonprofit that's trying yeah. to reshape an entire industry, an entire movement, and we need everyone's help. We need people to, um, to support this work, to get involved, to get connected, to get informed. Yeah. And uh, I would encourage all of us to begin to uh, take a first step. What's yeah. the first step? Yeah, yeah. And obviously, people can go to your site and give money. Yeah, Institute.org. We yeah. would love for you to support our work and um, know that when you do, you're um, beginning to move us
0: into a whole new reality mm-hmm. as a society. Whew. Man, oh man. Man, oh man. Ladies and gentlemen, the newly appointed CEO... <laughs> <laughs> we have this, uh, we have this,
1: um, we have this, we call it the leadership society at Rodale Institute. And it's actually a group of thought leaders. And, and, uh, every year you can join the, the J I Rodale leadership society for a thousand dollars a year, but it's at $83 and 33 cents a month. And that would get you access to several private farm to table dinners at the Rodale Institute. It gets you access to all kinds of free content and, and learnings and, you know, all kinds of really great benefits but I, my, I always like to think of it like this like how many terrible meals can you eat for $83.33 a month and so if you were to give up one meal at what I don't know Applebee's um, TGI Fridays give up one meal a month to join the J.I. Rodale Leadership Society and come to see us in Pennsylvania or come to one of our regional campuses to one of our amazing dinners I'm telling you it will change the rest of your your year, 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 year. So yeah,
0: that's fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. Well, yeah, I'm so glad we're friends and I I love all the conversations we have. I love turning these mics on. Can't wait to see you so on the farm in a couple of weeks to, and then I'll be there for the first time in July. And those of you who are coming for the two days in July, the two different weekends, Good times. We're going to eat some really good food. You're giving a tour. Going to give a tour. We're going to get some great food. Bring your questions as always works. Good times. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hope to see you there. Once again, my friend, thank you, Jeff. Mm. Once again, my friends, this has been The Rodcast. Sending you peace and love.